0: I went into Roots Cafe the other day and I ran into a friend of mine who I happen to know is clean and sober and he was sitting with his nephew who I also learned is in sobriety and I told him about our podcast Liars, Thieves, Gluttons and Whores and he just loved the title and said oh I want that on a t-shirt and I said well
1: do you suppose we'll hear stories about addiction we might oh stories about recovery too Mm, But mostly stories about how addiction turns smart, sensitive people into liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Liars? And thieves? And gluttons and whores. Oh, liars, liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my. Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Oh, my.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are on the air with me, Nancy Adair, the host and creator of Liars, Thieves, Gluttons, and Whores, the podcast that brings you stories from both the dark side and the light side of recovery and addiction. And with me today, again, is my season two co-host, Lori Jones, and I'm so excited to have her with me today. Thank you, Lori. Hello, hello. I'm happy to be here. And I thought today we would talk a bit about spiritual experiences in sobriety, those that inform sobriety, those that come up as a result of sobriety. And, you know, it's on the heels of the last interview I did with Helen Bickerstaff, when he talked about his father really helping him to get sober, and his father had been deceased. And he felt like he was just lifted up by an angel when it was really the time for him to either exit this world himself or get sober. He had to do something. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about the topic, Laurie?
1: <laughs> I like the topic a lot. I, 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 I like the topic a lot because first, you know, thinking about This show and the purpose of it, the light side and the dark side, because, you know, if we're talking about intuition or sort of tapping into whatever your higher power is or whatever, um, whatever support is out there in the universe that's supporting you, um, there is light and there is dark. There's both. And, um, you know, I I like the subject because. There is a part of it that is um, before getting sober, which I think, you know, the the interview that you had is so interesting, and then after, sort of the before and after, and being able to tap in and knowing the difference.
0: I wanted to share with the audience an experience I had, I don't even know how to date it. Um, I was already involved in 12-step recovery for alcohol and food addiction. And I had a sponsor who was a recovering food addict married to a recovering alcoholic. And I loved having the pair of them. <laughs> like she was my sponsor. And I always felt like I could show up at Carol and Jim's house, you know, and ask for help her. And Carol had told me this wonderful story about how she was really at a low point and driving. And she just pulled her car off to the side of the road and she had her hands gripping the steering wheel. And just in a moment of, you know, she was completely bereft. She said, God, if you do exist, I need proof. And she felt a hand over hers on the steering wheel of her car. And I remember her telling me that and I'm thinking, ha. You know, no way, you know. And I had a lot of um, not experiences, well, yeah, some young experiences of kind of metaphysics, um, interest in even in the occult as a teenager. I think that was a little bit of the dark side coming out. And I too found myself in a situation at where I had, it was a snowstorm in portland maine and i had a parking space in the back of a lot in where i had an apartment and i was too eager to use and i'm talking about binging on food um i had gone to the store and loaded up on all the binge foods and parked my car out in front of the apartment building so i could go right up now here's i've got a parking space in the back like That just shows my desperation and I binged my brains out and went to sleep and I woke up in the morning and I got ready for work and I came downstairs to go to work and my car had been towed and I'm like, oh no. And I went back upstairs and, you know, what did I want to do? I wanted to eat more because that would be, you know, solving all my problems And what I did was, I went into my bedroom and I was sleeping on a futon on the floor. And I got on my knees and I slammed my fists onto the futon. And I said, Okay, God, I don't fucking believe in you. But just in Um, case these whacked out women are right, I need proof like Carol. (laughs) And the whacked out thing that's so true is, I felt an infant's hand in the palm of my own hand. And wow. it was a fleeting experience, it came and went right away. Um and I never I've doubted the existence of a higher power or that relationship with a higher power many times since I I never doubted in the same way. It's like there was some sense of proof to me. So I've really encouraged other people just ask for it when you need it. And um, I'd like to share some other experiences when asking for it, it came, you know, the Mm -hmm. understanding or the proof. And also about this infant's hand in mine, many years later, I went to work for the recovery center as a substance abuse counselor. And it was after my child's father committed suicide, and I was a single mom, and I just didn't know if I could do the job. And Bryce, Luke's father, had actually volunteered at the recovery center during a period when he had 15 years of sobriety. And so it felt a little bit like PTSD around every corner. And I went three times to basically talk to who would become my supervising manager. And the third time, he was ready to renege the offer of the job. And I was there to say, I would like it. And I went down to employee health to get the paper signed. And on the wall was this huge poster of an adult hand with an infant's hand inside of it. Wow. And I thought, even if I don't want the job, I was meant to have the job.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wait, I want you to hold that. Even Say that again. Even if you didn't want
0: the job. job, I was meant to have the job.
1: Yeah. The word that just popped in my head was assigned. Mm -hmm. You were assigned the job yeah wow i i want to go back to something when you um told god you, you actually were pretty desperate in that moment right like you you didn't ask nicely, you asked like really desperately um like I
0: said, I don't fucking believe in you,
1: <laughs> right, yeah, and you were like pleading for a some type of a sign were you when you felt that the the um the child's hand in your hand or baby's hand in your hand did you know in that moment that that's what it was
0: i did and you know this was years before i had a child mm-hmm. and there was no question that it was an
1: infant's hand yeah 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 it really is mind blowing it is mind blowing and my thought is this because i believe we do get signs when we're willing to listen. And there are so many times I can just um, accept for myself that I'm not willing to listen and I'm not listening. I'm not I'm I'm multitasking, I'm doing too many things at the same time. Troubleshooting too many things at the same time and I'm I'm hoping for direction, hoping for answers. However, I'm not willing to receive because I'm not quiet. I don't I'm not I'm not staying put in those times. So my thought is like in that moment you were asking and you were willing to like hear the answer. And and sometimes I think like how often do you think that these things are right in front of us and we just miss it.
0: Yeah. Well, I've heard lots of people share different spiritual experiences and and for myself that same image of an adult hand with an infant's hand inside of it has shown up at critical times. You know, I went through the Chaplaincy Institute of Maine and became ordained as an interfaith minister. And this is me who, you know, okay, God, I don't fucking believe in you, (laughs) but just in case, right? So, you know where I come from. And I also um, am very anti-religious in many ways. And I, after being ordained, was ready to do my first service in a church and as an ordained minister. And I was doing the little, I forget what they call it now, but kind of like a, 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 what's coming in the, they have a picture and a, a title and the service kind of outlined. So it's um, mm-hmm. a service outline that you pass out to people. And I wanted to, um, oh, well, I did title the service, God Doesn't Love You. And I'm always out for oh. like, edgy. <laughs> <So>. No. <laughs> the, the subtitle was God is love and loves through you. So it was mm-hmm. God doesn't love you and God is love and loves through you. And uh, so I was looking for the cover photo for this pamphlet to go out in the church. Sorry, I don't remember what the name of those are. And I put in on the Google search images, God doesn't love you. And you know what came up? I, I no, I don't. An adult hand with a child's hand inside of it. And no it, and god loves you <laughs> what the heck
1: <laughs> wow so I, i'm just like okay all right i get it so well here. i think that's i think that's confirmation in case you were wondering here let me show off a little bit to you and just show you yeah
0: oh so there's one more moment Not with the same symbol, but with another one. That was a god show-off moment, really. Mm -hmm. I was going down to a step study group in the Boston area, and I would go with a carpool every Saturday morning. Now I have a child; my child's five years old. There was another woman in program who came and sat for my son and wouldn't accept any money to sit for him, and we would leave at quarter of six in the morning from Scarborough and go down by carpool to go to like an eight o'clock, a wall. That's what it was called a way of life step study group. And then we would stay for a meeting that start a regular meeting that started afterward And then we would stay for a fellowship lunch with people there. And then we would drive home together. So we were getting into Portland again around 2, 2 2.30 in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And she'd been at my house since six, right? So I go to the parking lot and there's one car leaving and one other person was remaining. And we said, well, let's see if anybody else comes before we take off. And then her best friend <laughs> pulled into the lot, driving her husband's new two-seater Porsche. And she was like, bye. <laughs> the two of them went off to Boston. I had to drive myself and I'm tired and I'm feeling sorry for myself. And I went down and I went through all the meetings and then I'm driving home and I'm like, okay, God, if I'm meant to stay in this Program, and if I'm meant to stay in this step study group, and if I'm meant to, you know, all these things, I'm bargaining. I said, I need a sign. And a guaranteed overnight delivery truck pulled in front of me. I don't know if you've ever seen them, Lori. It looks like you haven't. They have the initials of their company on the back of a MAC truck, like it takes up the whole back of the truck, G for guaranteed. O for overnight, D for delivery. So I ask God for a sign and I get this back at the truck pulls right in front of me. It says G-O-D, the biggest letters I've ever seen. I it's like, okay, you show off.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. See, and you're open to that. You're open to receiving. I mean, it, it's, you know, I mean, it it's funny and it's encouraging. And it like for me right now, I realize like I have so many questions, um, you know, just on a daily basis, what I what I should be doing, you know. And I just think that I you're inspiring me right now that I need to get quiet. So as I was saying, you're inspiring me to want to ask and then get quiet. Because I have a couple similar things as you and i love hearing about you seeing the same thing i mean and it's over time it's in different situations when you are asking for confirmation you know what am i doing like show me what i'm doing and um for me it's been this dark horse image i had a dream a long time ago and i had a horse in my dream but i and you know and You know, I've made a record, called it Dark Horse, and I've had these different dreams and visualized about this horse. Well, I have to tell you, um, probably about a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, I was driving to New Jersey. Nobody wants to do that. Right. Nobody wants to drive to New Jersey. But I'm going through New York and I'm in wall to wall traffic very frustrated and then i was asking like what am i doing what am i doing and i kid you not in front of me there was a um 18 wheeler and as i was passing it there was just a silhouette of a black horse on the side and that was it and so i think the tough part though nancy is what does that mean? I'm going to drive to <laughs> So So I, I love hearing about, for you, it was so clear. And it was confirmation in that moment. And, you know, for me, and maybe other people that are listening, you know, what do we do when we're not even sure what that means? Like, there it was, there it was. And maybe my question wasn't clear enough. I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you think we need to be more direct in our question, like real specific? Well, I do think being specific helps,
0: right? Yeah. Um, I always, when I do tarot readings for people, I ask them to ask a question that can be answered with a yes or no answer, even though I then qualify that the universe will not answer it with a yes or no. It's Mm -hmm. just that they like the clarity. Yeah. So I think there is a response to this higher power, this higher energy in the universe that wants the clarity for us. So we recognize what the answer means. I remember one time I had a, a spiritual experience working with a young client and I was taking her through some visualization experiences to do with body image. And i had quieted myself and quieted her and was in the process of guiding it and i saw an image in my own mind with my eyes closed of this young girl wearing a sandwich sign with a queen the card like a playing deck of cards queen on it queen of oh, wow! and i was like so i brought her out of the <laughs> the visualization right away and she said well, that was different than any others. I really didn't go anywhere or see anything. I'm like, yeah, that's because I did. So, and I'm, and I, she was young. I, I'm not sure that I really discussed it with her. I remember going to her mother and saying, was there any time when your child was in a play or, you know, like, uh, or Mm -hmm. dressed up for Halloween or, And she said, no, at first she said no. And then she came back like just a few minutes later and knocked on my office door and said, she was in a choral performance and she was dressed up as the queen of hearts. Oh my. Now, even with that confirmation, Lori, I did not know what to do with the material. Like I really didn't know. Was that a time of trauma in this young woman's life? Why was it there and kind of implanted there? Why is this image of a dark horse important for you? Important enough that you've created an album with that on the cover, you know, it's, and when you're asking for support and you, you see the image again and it comes forward, I believe you already answered the question earlier In our conversation about getting quiet, Mm -hmm. you know, asking the question and then getting quiet. Or when you've had the experience going back into quiet time or a meditative time and saying, you know, um, what is the support that this is bringing to me? Or, um, you know, why now am I seeing that image again? Or how can I um, respond? to this image in in what way?
1: Yeah, I think that sometimes, you know, I mean intuitively, sometimes I ask and I can almost hear a voice saying, sure, but you don't listen. I really hear that sometimes. I hear like, sure, like, but but you don't listen to me. And it's true. And I and I don't because sometimes we get we get too busy. And I know that this is the topic you and I have talked about before, and that is determining the difference between intuition and paranoia. So now it gets good for the listeners out there. So sometimes you may, or let's just say I'll I'll speak personally. Maybe there was a time when I thought I was being intuitive when perhaps I was just being paranoid. And so I think that there's a fine line there. What do you tell me about that? Um, what your thoughts are about that, because I know that, you know, in your profession, I think that's probably come up a lot.
0: I'm not sure of the reference in my profession that it's come mm-hmm. up a lot. Um, however, I did study with a mentor in psychic development for a number of years, and five to be exact. <laughs> <laughs> and she used to use this scale of, um, you know, positive and negative energy. And she said, if you have um, inexperience and you're not sure how to share it, um, like there was a time when someone came to me and asked about having children and I saw her having two male children and one was taking care of the other. And I didn't realize what I was putting upon this young woman who hadn't even given birth to her first child, that she would have a child with either some kind of mental health problem or physical handicap, needing the really focus of an older sibling to help them out, you know? and, uh, And that's the kind of thing that my mentor would say, all right, How is there another way to approach that where Mm -hmm. it's not so dark? Yeah. And to, you know, and and I realized that, um, you know, in my own life, um, before getting pregnant with my son, I had discovered that I had a, a fibroid tumor. And one doctor was saying, "You can't have children, you need a full hysterectomy." um Another doctor said, "I think you can bring a baby to term. Let's do." And I did all the shamanic healing. I mean, Laurie, I took
1: baths mm-hmm.
0: with herbs, I smoked herbs. Oh, wow. <laughs> all the things. yeah, all the things you know, and um and then I got pregnant, you know, at thirty nine, and I um carried the baby almost to full term, like came a little bit early. Um, And there's a real, the um, tumor grew with the estrogen of pregnancy. And it was really scary. And I had gone to a woman psychic. I don't remember her name now, but she'd written a book, The Eagle and the Rose. And she was in South Portland at a bookstore and I went, and this is prior to getting pregnant. Um, and she picked people out of the audience, and she picked me. And she said, oh, wow. um, "You'll have a healthy child."
1: Like did, without did she, asking did, without asking any questions, she just told you that.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. And um, and she saw two women, but on either side of me and I now believe that you know one was my grandmother and one was my mom. Um, My mom, it was really clear what she was saying and that she was my mom, but she said the other woman had uh, died of some kind of problem to her brain, you know, and I. And that, I just couldn't see that. And my grandmother died of Alzheimer's disease. You know? Oh my God. Like it didn't occur to me at the time. So that's why I'm moment. saying, you know, take these things um, and give them your attention and your time. Yeah, I was just,
1: yeah, for sure. I was just going to say, you know, sometimes it's, it's not literal, if this makes sense. Sometimes I'll dream things and it's not, exactly the way that something will play out, but there's some type of importance in there and then something will happen. And then I'll revert back to a dream and say, wait a second, I dreamt something like this. And so, you know, for, for most of my life, I can remember having dreams and knowing maybe when I wake up that that dream meant something. And, 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 and again, it's not always literal. It's not always like, okay, um, you know, that I know exactly what's going to happen, but something will happen that, and then I will remember that I had a dream about it. And so I've gotten, so now I like to have proof a bit, you know, I like to have proof. And sometimes I like to write down in my journal, what I dreamt just for my own reference. So that I can go back and, and, and just for my own good to say, wait a second, I'm pretty sure I dreamt something about that. And maybe that's what it means. So I know, so I know that interpreting dreams is really, really important. And just to know that the answer is not always in black and white. But there's something there to pay attention to. Some type of um, knowing. And I think, I think that's really cool. I think it's, I think it's a really cool if you can tap into it and you can um, use that in some positive way.
0: So let's um, start wrapping up with a couple of kind of instructive things about recalling dreams Yeah. and, um, and also about that quiet time and asking, not only asking for proof, just asking for direction or asking for mm-hmm. guidance that we are most sensitive, just like animals at dawn and dusk. So to give yourself time upon awakening and upon going to sleep, to save aside, whether it be five minutes. um, I just found a wonderful meditation. Actually, my sister sent it over to me yesterday from Insight Timer. And it was just about, Adjusting to what is rather than what you want to have happen in the moment. And she was flying back from Hawaii and it, you know, in the middle of that snowstorm,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> over 24 hours to get anywhere and lots of time in the airport. Um, so it's just adjusting yourself to what is, is the title of the meditation or something like that. Um, and, you know, it took like three minutes. So it doesn't have to be a long period of time. And I think those times when we're just waking up and when we're um, getting tired and falling asleep are particular times when that universal message can come through even more easily. Another thing about dreams in particular is to, you know, keep your phone and um, dictate into notes by the side of your bed or the old fashioned way with a journal and pen and paper being able to capture something um, from our dream time, most often it's about five five hours into your sleep cycle that you're more apt to remember what you're dreaming if your body wakes you up at that time. And another thing you can do is set a timer to wake up, you know, let's say half an hour before you actually need to get out of bed. And just, it's very similar to kind of falling back asleep at that time and seeing Mm -hmm. what you recall.
1: I think that as artists, whether you're, you know, writing a novel, whether you're writing songs, if you're creating things, if you're painting, whatever it is, you know, I believe that sensitive people are intuitive, sensitive people are intuitive. And sometimes that's how we create and sensitive people are also addicts. So I think there's a connection here, you know, about being intuitive, being able to create, and then in sobriety, being able to tap into that creativity um, and, you know, being able to listen and be able to use some of that um, for creative purposes. And so that's what I find. But, you know, and I know that we've talked about that before, about addicts are sensitive people and creative people. So, that's, that's people. <laughs> I know. And our favorite people, of course. <laughs>
0: Thank goes you hand very in hand. much, Lori, for again a, a wonderful topic. And uh, those of you that are our viewers, among our viewers or our listeners, really do start to talk to us. Tell us uh, what has been meaningful when you listen to the podcast and what you'd like to hear more
1: about. 100%. Yeah, let us know. We want to hear from you. Do you suppose we'll hear stories about addiction? We might. Oh. Stories about recovery, too? Hmm, but mostly stories about how addiction turns smart, sensitive people into liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores. Liars? And thieves? Gluttons and whores. Oh, liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores, oh my. Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores, oh my. Liars, thieves, gluttons, and whores, oh my. Are you a fan of Liars, Thieves, Gluttons, and Whores podcast? Do you want to support the show and show off your love for LTGW? Look no further than You Can Do Merch Store, brought to you by host and creator Nancy Adair.